0: So
1: the show. Yo what's up this is G Easy and I'm with Dan and Emma drinking Stillhouse right here on Drinky Fun Time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. One take? <laughs> you know what time it is, don't you? That's right. It's Drinky Fun Time where we drink booze with some of the most interesting people at the coolest places around. So grab a drink, chill out and enjoy the show. Yes, 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 grab a drink, chill out, enjoy the show, show is drinky fun time, I'm Dan Dunn, Stuffy McStuffy, you can call me today, a little stuffed up, alongside Emma Patterson who is unstuffed.
0: I'm I'm perfectly sinus clear, I'm so sorry you feel sick, but it's just tradition isn't it this time of year to get a
1: bit bunged up? It's that time of year, it is, uh, the holidays are coming, and along with all the holiday cheer... Oh, it is sickness, um, so I got that. But it is, it is, it is my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving, and I. Some people dig Halloween. Some people dig Christmas and uh, Hanukkah, Easter. What do you like? What's your favorite? Christmas. It is, Christmas. and it's a good one. Christmas. Is well, it
0: just simply because in England we don't have as many. You know, you've you've got more. I feel you've got more here. And Easter, yeah. we, we go big, obviously, but with chocolate eggs, and that really is. We the don't have deal. Thanksgiving.
1: There's a there's a Truly, an American holiday, it really, is. right? It's Thanksgiving, and and it's uh, it's the time of year when we celebrate. Um, well, it depends on which history book you're reading, but uh, which one do the you? The ones trust? I read when I was younger, it was because of our, you know, we we were told that it was about it was commemorating this special occasion when the the, the colonists and the Indians, as they were called then, now they're Native Americans, but back in, when I was in school, they we called them Indians. We all came together. We had a nice feast, and everything was great. They left out parts. They left out some of the parts. No, they, they did. Nonsense. I don't ever remember hearing uh, genocide when I was back in school. I didn't, they didn't get into. They didn't dive into that part of the history. How we came over here. We were just plucky columnists and, and, and colonists instead of uh, you know land stealers and uh, everything else that we did. But nonetheless, Thanksgiving itself I love because it's about you know well it's about food is what it's food about food and drink and 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 being thankful for the things that we have in our lives and today first up let me just say i'm thankful we have a we have a lot of wine today to drink that's uh, not
0: like you to I bring know. a lot <laughs> of <laughs> wine?
1: wine we've got wine at courtesy of our friends at the federalist gave us some wine the we figured you know the federalist their, their whole thing is it 's American craft wine they are going full on america they've got the, the, the they 've got Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin and George Washington on the label they 've got the Statue of Liberty right here um,
0: very patriotic
1: very patriotic you 've been
0: showcasing the Federalist a little on social media, which has been really interesting and recently, you actually uh, you posted a photo of yourself on the front of a Federalist bottle of they wine. Did. How me,
1: did that they, happen? And yeah, there's some people they, they put they put me they sent me a little uh, little gag bottle that has my face on it and I'm going to say this. I I'm not better looking than Abe Lincoln. If I was so I was comparing my I was like <laughs> looking at my label and I was like well there's Abe Lincoln, Jefferson, good looking guy, but I am better looking than Ben Franklin. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. I got him beat. I agree. So they sent over some wine, and we're going to talk about the wines that we're drinking right now. We, we got a little Chardonnay mm. first. This is uh, so this
0: is the Federalist Chardonnay. It's 2014, and it's got the Statue of Liberty on the front,
1: and it's delicious. It's from Mendocino. It's creamy. I like it, right? It's creamy. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's uh. Here's the thing about these wines. That's why I like them, and that's why it's a good time to talk about it at the holidays because you're going to parties, right? Everybody's going to be going to parties from now through. Through the new year, right? And you mm. got to go, and you got to bring, you got to bring stuff when you go to party. Like, so if I, I, I know you, Emma, have a very busy social calendar. This is the only time I see you. Yeah, this is it. You, you're going to be going to parties almost every night from now through New Year. Sometimes twice a night. And so, you know, you don't want to spend a million dollars. Like, you got to bring a bottle, right? You got to bring a bottle of wine. Like, you go to a party, you got to bring a bottle, maybe even two, right? If I go to Thanksgiving. If you go to Thanksgiving at somebody's house, you you can't show up with one bottle. They'll be like, hey, who's this asshole? Well,
0: also, I have a question. We're, you know, keen drinkers. Do you, Dan, take the equivalent of the amount you intend to drink to the party, but then not drink what you brought, just drink what's there? That's a
1: great – that is a great – okay, I'm glad you brought that up because that has always been a peeve of mine. You get these jerks that come to the party – and they bring, they bring like a bottle of cupcake wine, whatever that is, or you know. And they show up, and then they immediately go to the table, and they're like, "Where's the Mouton Rothschild?" You know, like, "Let me find it." You know, and yeah, no, I think you should, you should a bring what you're planning to drink. So if you show up and you and you you, you got a date or you're you got a couple and you go, I, I think it's I think it's it's bad poor form to show up with one bottle because. If you're going to be at someone's house all night, between the two of you, you're going to drink more than a bottle. Yeah. So essentially, now you're dipping into the other supply. So when I go with my date, I bring like seven bottles because I know well,
0: you do. He does. Going <laughs> to slam that
1: back. He does. Uh, nobody's going to accuse me of coming in light. No. Know? They you might can. accuse me of of being uh, you know hideously drunk by the end of the night, but you know that's something else.
0: Well, Dan's fantastic at this, as you can imagine. He's made a career out of it, and rightly so. But he will show up with probably and better. Better bottle of wine than you've got in your house. So yeah. even if you only brought one, you'd be forgiven because everyone would ha- want to have a Wanna taster.
1: Have and um, this is what I like about this: you can bring these, bring them. Federal, it is. Yeah, and it's like it's not going to cost you. But you you spend sixty bucks, you can bring you sixty dollars. You're bringing three good bottles of wine and everybody's happy. But so, you know, there you go. That's my that's my and and you can go across the spectrum too. You got to bring a white wine if you're going to Thanksgiving, yeah. you got to bring a white. Right? So, you've chosen the
0: Chardonnay. The Chardonnay. Today. I, we and don't have I any turkey. Did comment on the fact that I taste it, that it's creamy. Obviously, people yeah. you realize it's not actually got cream in it. Um so you chose that because it will probably go rather well with, you know, uh, poultry and and potatoes and but what about the sweeter dishes that you guys like? And I will say you guys, even though I've now had eight Thanksgivings in your glories. Country, yeah. thank you. But what I do notice is that you do like to have a lot of sweet in the, the dish, in the dinner too. So yeah. you might have a yam dish, sometimes with even marshmallow on it. I feel like this Chardonnay would go rather well with that too.
1: I think the sweetness of the wine is going to complement, you know, for instance, if you're having sweet potatoes, if you're going to have... Uh, I mean, even with dessert, you can do this, you know, where you, where you get into, where I think you get into trouble, you can get in with the red wines and sometimes they're not, they're going to, you know, don't me wrong. Like if you try some sugar and you take some red wine, it's going to taste great, but there are certain things that it doesn't go well with Chardonnay for the most part works with most of the foods that you're going to have on Thanksgiving. You know, there's not, it might clash with like, if you get that, uh, what are they, what's that stuff called? the? The jelly type stuff. What are they? Uh, He's
0: asking producer Bo. I don't know Look at producer Bo. The
1: dark, it's like the sauce. Like a cranberry. Like a cranberry. Sauce. Oh. A cranberry sauce. This is not going to taste good with cranberries. Because it's too
0: tart. It's too tart. So the, the Chardonnay wouldn't go with the cranberry,
1: but the red wine might? The red, I think the cranberry is going to overwhelm almost any wine. Okay. You know? But this is like this with turkey and stuffing and like a light gravy. Mm-hmm. You're pointing at the red now. At the, no, at the Chardonnay. Well, still at the Chardonnay. At the okay. Chardonnay, yeah. And, you know, and the red, too, as well, and we'll, we'll dive into that. I mean, I, I think these are you know good wines in terms of what you're going to have at a Thanksgiving dinner and, and even like holiday dinners down yeah. the line beyond that. So um, so that's cool. So you got that. You can bring that with you when you're going. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about today on the show was, okay, so it's Thanksgiving, a very American holiday, and we are drinking wine. And so I kind of wanted to get into the... Uh, You know, as you know, I drove around America. I wrote this book, American Wino, and and I went to so many places all over the country. And the one place that I went to, uh, one one of the places I went to was in Virginia, uh, where uh, Thomas Jefferson lived, uh, Monticello. And that little patch of land right there in Virginia, where Jefferson lived, kind of is responsible for all of this. Every, you know, Napa and Sonoma, all these places... It all kind of started back then, uh, and this is uh, before it was even the before the Revolutionary War. Okay, Jefferson had the property there, uh, and he started a thing called the Virginia Winemaking Company. And the idea he had he had gone to I think William and Mary, right? And when he was in William and Mary, teenager. He fell in love with wine. One of his professors was a big wine collector, all old world wines. Obviously, there was no such thing as new world wines. He, you know, so it was, all, it was all from Bordeaux and Burgundy. Fell in love with the wine. And Jefferson became convinced that they could do this here, Okay, that you could plant vinifera, which is the... Word for the technical term for these old world wines like Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir, and all that. He came so
0: He went and brought some of the vines from Europe. Or he went.
1: Yeah, he went over and he got. You know, you got some, some of the. You get the. You get the, the, the rootstock over there, and he, and he came over and planted it here. And, and he, he did that at his property in Monticello. And he called the company. He was thirty-one years old at the time, and he called it the Virginia Winemaking Company. Uh, as you know, Jefferson enjoyed. There were three things that he loved it was American liberty, French wine and African women right that's what he loved and he, uh, sometimes I'm just going to take you what yeah, your word for yeah it. sometimes all at once uh, you know <laughs> so uh, and so here he is he does this he falls in love with wine he goes and now he decides he's going to he's going his wine interest intensifies he meets this guy uh, a guy comes by one day, Monticello uh, and this is in 1773. And as you know, I know you're big on your American yeah, history. I am. It was that was only a couple of years before the before we kick some serious British ass, as you know. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so so this Italian winemaker comes by, uh, guy a friend of Jefferson's brings him by, a guy named Philip Mazai. Okay. Mazai spent eighteen years in London selling wine and he knew he'd learned how to make wine, cultivating these old world grapes, i.e. again, vinifera. So he's on his way to Augusta, Georgia. Mazai's got it. He bought a plot of land in Augusta, Georgia, where he, the, the Brits promised him this land. Okay, and he's going. What did to, we? The Brits. The Brits gave it. They're sweet people. Uh, so uh. they give it to him, and he's on his way down there, where he's going to he's going to plant his vineyards down there in Augusta, Georgia. He meets Jefferson. They hit it off. And he says, "Screw Georgia. I'm going to stay right here." So, Mazai. Gets some part of their partnership. Jefferson gives them some land, mm-hmm. and uh in exchange for Mazai planting these vineyards and teaching Jefferson what to do, and then Jefferson also offered his him his <clears throat> uncompensated workforce that we had back then. Oh, in the, yeah. yeah, the uncompensated workforce. Is that, that what we we're had. calling it? Yes. Uh, and in exchange for planting and maintaining these vineyards at Monticello, so he also is like. This guy, while this is going on, Mazai gets like really involved in the revolutionary cause. One of the other partners in the Virginia Winemaking Company is a guy named George Washington. Okay, so you got Jefferson, you got Washington. Um, so th- that's 1774. They actually formed this company, Virginia Wine Company. So the uh, they start. He plants these. He plants these vineyards at Monticello with old old rootstock. It's like probably it was probably Cabernet. It was probably Pinot Noir. Uh, and he's tending to this. Okay, so now, two years later, Jefferson, they start getting a little busy with some other things. Jefferson was doing a little writing at the time. He knocked out a, a doc I'm typing here to show. He knocked out a little document known as the Declaration of Independence. Okay? He banged that thing out. Uh, and now, uh, George Washington, also not able to focus a lot of his attention on the Virginia winemaking company because, you know, they're about to fight a war. So, um... By 1778, they're in dire straits, right? They don't have any money. They're going to lose. They're going to they're gonna lose. They're going the to lose. they are going to lose to? the Brits. They're going to lose. Yeah, yeah. So it gets so bad that they, they tell, uh, and by the way, let's do a little more Chardonnay here while we're doing a little bit. There, there we go. It gets so bad, they send their bestest paisano, Mazai, over to Italy to try to hit up some of his rich friends to raise some money for the cause, for the revolution, Cause, which he does, okay? He's going to go over there. So while he's gone, okay, he rents out the property at Monticello. Mazai does. He rents it out to this uh, guy named Heinrich Rediesel, who was a Hessian general who had been captured by the Americans and was being held as a prisoner of war. Now, I know, Emma, you're probably asking yourself— uh, the fact that a POW was able to rent out a plush Virginia plantation, right? That's crazy, yeah. Right? A, yeah, how? It, well, it's probably, you could say it was an example of how civilized war was back then. No, it wasn't. No, it really wasn't. I think what it is, what it was is it's an example of when you're rich, you can get whatever the fuck you want, right? That's and really still, what it was. Okay. Still the case. So you're a prisoner of war, but you get to live at Monticello. And this is not a development that everyone could have seen coming. It turns out that airbnb this property to this opposition general was not the best idea, okay? In a truly dick move, this guy pastures his horses in these baby vineyards that Mazai had been lovingly caring for for years. He puts his horses out there, and Jefferson wrote this in one of his journals. He said, horses in one week destroyed the whole labor of three or four years and thus ended an experiment which, from every appearance, would in a year or two more have established the practicability of that branch of culture in America. So, in short, what he was saying is the fucking horses destroyed these vineyards. They trampled everything. We right? could have made, we were so close, we could have made one. And this imports a very important lesson. Always check the no pets box on the So, on the, on the yeah. The, yeah. So, so they, uh, the Virginia Wine no Company, horses mainly. they never produce a single bottle of wine. Never they they said they were setting a standard that government has tried to uh, live up Christ. to ever since and uh, so I they do not feel bad about this by yeah, the way? Yeah, they do. So, comma. I um,
0: comma right
1: there. So, they do win the war though. Yes. As I got them some money, they win the war. This paves the way for Jefferson to go over to France mm-hmm. where he succeeded Ben Franklin who's also on the label of the Federalist as the French minister where he really gets into wine now over there, Jefferson. And he's he, keeping meticulous notes and journals and going, this can happen here. And it never happened for him, <laughs> but his notes and the research that he did in France laid the groundwork for, ultimately the guy in Longworth in Ohio ended up planting vinifera there and it was working. So he laid the groundwork that this could happen in America. America was ripe for planting old world grapes. And, and it took a while. Jefferson was long gone. After it happened, but eventually now you know we've got. You, know, you could certainly say on the on the West Coast, uh, we do uh, we do old world grapes really well. Them. Some people are going to get mad when I say this, but we do old world grapes probably as good as the old world at this point.
0: I yeah. I listen. I I drink it. I'd yeah. say that I would have to believe you and agree with you.
1: You want to try some wet red wine now?
0: Yeah, let's try the let's, blend. Let's so try. I'm a big fan of blends now, and I feel like. For a while, there, blends got a bad a bad write-up, but I actually love them. The bad rap,
1: yeah. So what do you, what do you love about blends?
0: I find that they can be fuller, like a, a sometimes a lot fruitier. I won't say jammy because don't really like that yeah. expression, but it is used to often describe a, a blend.
1: Well, this one's the red blend, and what's kind of cool about this, and we'll talk about this too, is, this is something you're seeing so much now in mm. in the wine world, is it's it's aged in bourbon barrels. <gasps> well, how's yeah. that going to make it taste? So it's going to get what well, we're going to see. Are you done with that? you ready yeah. to?
0: Is it going to taste like caramelly? I don't know. I'm,
1: I'm curious to see what your thoughts Woody. are on this. Pour in there for you. you. So this is a, the grapes, the varietals. Oh, it smells good. Are Merlot Zinfandel <laughs> and Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, God. He, oh, you 14, thing. You're terribly sick, aren't you? 14.5% alcohol, which is kind of low <laughs> for California. <laughs> It's kind of low for California. Oh, although, okay. Oh, is it?
0: For a red? No, Well, it,
1: okay. I think a lot of these California wines, especially up this is also from the North Coast up, Northern California, Mendocino County up that way. You're going to get you know, what, these Napa cabs and stuff? They're going they're like 15, man. 15%, you know. 15 and a half. What do you think? I I'm going to say
0: it. I'm going to say it's it's jammy. I love it. I just hate that word jammy.
1: No, I, it's a little chewy too. Another, a little chewy and jammy. Is there a better phrase expression? No, I like it. I like that phrase.
0: I really like that, and so, it, I like it. This type of red wine when it, it gets
1: colder outside. It it does, right? Does it? This when you drink this, it makes you feel like you, you get you in the holiday spirit, yeah. right? Like I'm feeling Christmas already. Mm. In fact, I'm very excited for Christmas because Emma has hosts a party mm. every year. She has this party, and you make. Mold wine. wine. Tell us about the mold wine.
0: Oh, Can you okay. Give away? You can't give There's away the recipe. It's a l- secret recipe. It's a taste test. You know, sometimes people prefer it rather sweet. I don't. I actually don't. Uh, but I will just say, if you're going to make mold wine, you absolutely should try. Just don't boil the wine. So you just want to make sure it's warm. But if you boil it, you will lose that alcohol content.
1: And so what? Uh, so start me off here. Like, what kind of wine are you using to make? The
0: um, wine? I tend to just keep it to a. a you know a low low cost supermarket grocery store wine okay. uh, i normally go with whatever is i'm not going to say cheap but i just don't want you to waste a very good wine when you're going to add cloves and oranges and honey you're not honey. Doing,
1: you're not doing a first growth bordeaux in this wine no. yeah cuz the things that you're adding to it are going they sort of obviously you said the cloves mm-hmm. i every time i try yeah, it i get that which yeah. speaking of flavors that make you feel like the holidays like yeah. nothing better it's than
0: warming i actually think it's quite medicinal it's got a lot of vitamin c in there there's cinnamon sticks uh there's even cheaper very not cheaper the speedy ways of doing it because you americans and i think we do in england too make these great uh wintry tea bags like tea that you can get any kind of like winter warmer tea which has often got cinnamon clothes and, cloves and anise and those sort of wintry spices, and you can actually boil, put those into the wine and just let them simmer. But what you should do, really, is get a big pan with a lid. Get some orange juice. It's like how I like to do it in some hot water. Put that into the pan. Orange juice. Orange juice, some orange juice. And then um, if you've got fresh oranges, cut one in half and squeeze it and then drop the whole thing in so you've got the zest of the orange in there. Yeah. Then some cloves, not ground. You need whole cloves and whole cinnamon sticks. And then you just boil those. And then when you know that they've kind of like got their flavors in the water and the juice, turn down the heat, add a full bottle of red wine and then simmer it and add, I'd say, brown sugar, white sugar, or I actually just use honey. Some people use Splendor or the the sort of low-calorie stuff. I I don't like that. So you're
1: saying that the mulled wine is not uh, uh, necessarily good for the waistline.
0: It's going to be higher in calories. <laughs> yes. It's a little bit of, you
1: know, like sugar. But this.
0: what what kind of Christmassy or thanksgiving drink would be low calories? I don't That's know. That's yeah.
1: one. So then you how then you got this in there for how long is it? Yeah, wine? Until is? it warms,
0: just get it up to a not boiling, as I say, but, you know, steam is coming out. You just don't want to see big bubbles. If big bubbles are happening, that means it's boiling and that means the alcohol is dying. Oh. And there's nothing wrong with that. It tastes really good. I mean, I've often had a pot, a pot on, the, on the stove and I just keep reheating it. But it still tastes like booze yeah. to me. But it's just that they do say beware of that, you know. Not that I'm suggesting you go and get trashed on some hot wine. And then you really, stra- you're you not going to want that much of you it. You strain the malt wine? You use a ladle like you would with the soup. And, uh, I mean, tell your guests and be wary of any floating clove. You're going to see it. It's a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it won't kill you if you eat it. It's just very
1: pungent. But do you um, know what varietal you use, red wine?
0: Like um, I try and go for, I mean, I'm just going to name names now. You know, if you have a Trader Joe's, Chewbuck Chuck, Charles Shaw is absolutely oh, you're going to perfect.
1: I'm thinking we hit up the Federalist and see if they'll send us some wine for the, the mold. Maybe Ooh. we could do a Christmas show. With the mold wine, with Emma's mold wine, maybe make a ah. note. Make a note to contact the Federal Seattle. Yeah, because you suppose made a point. It'll be a little bit. It's it's higher end than, yeah. than what we're talking about here. But maybe that'll make a it. Di- maybe that will make the difference. Okay. I mean, your mold wine's great. Thank you. But I'm saying maybe we elevate it to sublime. Let's let's yeah yeah lift it up a notch.
0: So okay, is this so. something you
1: grow? By the way, you grow. So in England, when you're growing up. Mm-hmm. When do you start having mulled wine? It don't make um, you wait till you're 21, no. or 18, or whatever. You know,
0: you're. again, it might. <laughs> you can go to England from probably the middle of November till the end of December and walk into down to a, a market, or we have a lot of parks like in London that have Christmas fairs, and they will serve you a polystyrene cook cup of hot mulled wine and you will walk around with it and I don't think to my knowledge anyone's checking IDs this is not a suggestion by the way I'm just saying that it's 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 just that thing that people drink because it's comforting and warming and eventually when it goes cold you don't really want to finish it because it's very sweet
1: but how old were you when you first had mulled wine
0: I was well you've got to be it it is still wine at the end of the day so I didn't really love wine in until I was probably in my twenties, yeah, and no, so nobody
1: I, does, right? Nobody, could, nobody. I don't know anybody whose first experience with drinking was, except there's a wine here called, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, Boons. You know, Boons. We had a, there's a thing here called Boons. It's like Strawberry Hill. It's bad. I don't even know if it's technically wine. Is it sweet? Uh, oh yeah. Well, that would be
0: why younger people might like it,
1: but it's terrible. But nobody goes, hey man, I started drinking Cabernet. It's, you always start with, I think, liquor or beer. Yeah. Most
0: people. I think now mulled wine has become more popular. You, like, you can ask for it in the pub. And they'll normally have like a cauldron at the back. Yeah. and um, They might have hot cider too, which is obviously in England, that's the alcoholic kind, not the apple juice. Yeah. Um, and I think it's maybe younger people would be drawn to it because it is still quite sweet. I, I don't remember enjoying it though. I do, it was mainly when I got older. And you go to a Christmas party, and there's mince pies and traditional fare. Mince pies I don't think you guys mince would really pies. like either. I don't Pastry. Know any, yeah,
1: I think I've had mince pie.
0: But it's the inside is the the middle of the pie is sweet. It's dried fruit with spices again, some of the spices, cinnamon, nutmeg, uh, cloves, And it's it's not sickly
1: sweet, but it's, it's just, sweeter. not
0: always to your uh, Yankee tastes, i no. found.
1: Speaking of, you brought up sweet. Do you... What do you think is the impact of the bourbon barrel, in your opinion, on the wine, um, on, this, on this wine right here? I think there's a smokiness to it, a little bit of smokiness.
0: Do you have taste buds today, Dad?
1: I know. I get, well, I've had the wine enough to know, <laughs> but I think I there's. A, I think on the finish, certainly, there's this smokiness to it. And I think that's a direct result. Because, you know, these bourbon barrels are charred. Uh, we've, we've talked right, about that before. Which but my, yeah. I
0: guess now, as I've left it to evaporate on my tongue a little bit, I can actually taste sort of... Not a woodiness. I guess it would be like a, a smokiness and some vanilla. I think I've
1: got vanilla. Yeah. In there. yeah, I think that too. And it's kind of bright, you know it's bright but spicy, and yeah. I think that's all coming from the barrels because you got the char in the barrel. What well, you know, as we've talked about, I'm sure in the show before, they can only use the bourbon barrels one time to age bourbon, and then those barrels go, and they usually go to tequila, or they go over, uh, they go over to Scotland, uh, where so these barrels get used to age other spirits. But in recent years, brands like the Federalist and a lot of other wines are have been experimenting with finishing wines. And it's, that's been going on for a while, but finishing wines in various types of barrels. Like even Chardonnay barrels, even, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I've seen like maple barrels. But the bourbon barrel craze is kind of hot now. Like you're seeing a lot of wines that are, that are finishing. And I think it's because those bourbon barrels imbue the wine with this with this smoky rich like you said that, that you know that that little bit of the sweetness that you're getting because all that sugar is coming out of you know you're getting all that sugar that's in those barrels that's coming in and it's and it does and it and i think that combination of, of smoky and sweet really helps the wine mm. yeah
0: yeah, I'm a big fan of the blend so this is the federalist blend uh the red blend and uh it is aged in bourbon barrels for six months. There is, what is this on the
1: front of this particular bottle? Because it's <coughs> actually
0: like a wood
1: label. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got like a wood, that's sort of, the, you know, they go, and there's a, there's a... Can I ask how much this would cost? This is under $20. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's under 20 bucks. This is a 2016, like I said, 14.5% alcohol, so you're going to you get a nice little buzz on this yeah. thing. Um, and, you know, it's easy to break. Now, I do like the other ones, and I think later on another we'll do another show we'll get into this i like the bottles that do have all the all the old you know the, the Jefferson and on. all those guys and then
0: the dan dun i actually really like this bottle though i think it's it's different cuz it's got the wood label well, um, how much does that mean to you when you go into a store you know i've 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 taught myself not to be drawn to the label anymore well, i have cuz you've
1: gotten burned
0: i yeah i've actually taken great delight in going to super <laughs> grocery stores and just buying bottles based on labels and going let's try this and honestly most of the time they're not great. It's very rare you get a super edgy cool label and it's brilliant inside. I could name names. I won't obviously right now. You
1: should pitch that. That's a good article would be you could write an article on the biggest letdowns <laughs> yeah. from label to taste like you go the best looking label with the shittiest wine in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, They'll love like, me for that. Well, they, I've, I've had wines. that experience too where you look and you're like, God, man, that's a really cool label. And then you buy it and you're like, God, uh, this wine sucks.
0: Yeah, they're meant to sit on your shelf. They're yeah. meant to look good. Yeah, they're not they, meant to be drunk.
1: Well, that's, and they're doing that because you'll notice like the really, really good wines, for the most part, they're not... Whipping out like a gimmick, like you're not going to see a lot of a lot of uh, wines from from Italy or a lot of wines from France that are doing these gimmicky labels. It's usually just you know the the fancy scripts that look because it looks old and d- been dignified them
0: for hundreds of years. And that's what
1: they do. But with, there are some ones here. Like I think that one was the guy, uh, the prisoner guy. Uh, that's a cool looking label. Yes, and a good wine.
0: So before we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just, Dan's
1: got to go to bed, basically. Yeah, basically, so, yeah.
0: Let's be grateful for a few things, because it is Thanksgiving.
1: Um, okay. So. Uh, I am thankful for you, Emma, and I am thankful for this show. I'm thankful for this wine. I'm thankful for the Federalist sending the wine. And these cool glasses, by the way, I should also point these out. The thing they do is it's like rocks glasses.
0: They've sent us, so these aren't wine glasses. Uh, these are, are their own
1: glasses that a guy named Glassblower Ben by the way, that's a dude you want to hang out with. It's like you're out and you're like, hey, uh, who? this is my buddy Bo, and here's Tom, and glassblower, bleh, 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 <laughs> glassblower <laughs> Ben, glassblower Ben, I can't say it, later. glassblower Ben. Glass beer, yeah. so he made these glasses and that's all another thing they do is like you drink the Federalist out of rocks glasses yeah they Screw look like those.
0: they look like scotch glasses but underneath they've got um, this beautiful etching
1: oh they do I didn't even Federalist notice that until now look at that's great so uh, and then thank you and we're gonna I, we're gonna do another show we are. we are doing the Mold wine show we have we a are.
0: festive show coming up in time for Christmas with some gift ideas cooking ideas so
1: I am excited for that one I love the Mold wine And uh, I guess, what else is there to say, Mike Friedman? You know what time it is, don't you? Time to end this fucking show. Well, when Mike says that, you know what comes next. Thank you, everybody. toodle Happy Thanksgiving. It's a good show.